Welcome to Ask the Music Director, a podcast where I get to interview some of my favorite singers, actors, and music makers about what makes them who they are, and they get to ask me, the music director, anything they want. I'm your host, Dennis Curley. Today I'll be talking with Dieter Bierbrauer, literally one of the hardest working actors in show business. He has been seen off-Broadway and in regional theaters across the country while locally he has performed for Theater Latte Da, Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, Ordway Center for the Performing Arts, and The Guthrie. His resume boasts some of the most sought-after roles for any musical theater performer, and I was lucky to catch him on a day off after opening his latest production. We spoke at my studio in North Minneapolis. Dieter Bierbrauer, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I've never done a podcast before. Hey, me either. This is awesome. <laughs> first time for both of us. There's so much I want to talk to you about. I'm very excited. Uh, but let me first say, I think in my intro, I might have misspoken. I said, today's your day off. Is this actually your day off or do you it, have a show tonight? It's not. I do have a show tonight. Yeah. You had Monday and Tuesday off. Monday and Tuesday off. We're doing uh, Wednesday through Sundays with two shows on Saturday right now. And this show is called? It's it's called Five Points, and it's at Theater Latte Da. Okay, and it's a brand new musical, right? It is world premiere. And okay, I want to talk about that um, because you've done all sorts of things. You've done old shows, you've done mid-century modern shows, and mm. shows that no one's ever seen before. Um, I I want to tell our listeners. I first saw you on stage actually in a show called Jekyll and Hyde, which was yeah. a thousand years ago. How? What year was that? You know what? I will have a hard time. I, I'm so bad. Some people know exactly what year they did every show, and I struggle with it all the time. But it probably was around two, th early 2000s, maybe okay. 2003, somewhere in there, somewhere. Um, and that was at the Bloomington Civic Theater, which it is was. not called that anymore. Nope. I think they're called Artistry now mm -hmm. at the old space. That's very cool. Um People told me to go see that show because you were in that show. I'm not a huge, I'll, I'll say, not. I, I think the, the piece itself is maybe a little bit problematical. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's a, people always joke about David Hasselhoff playing that role and painting half of his face. One, you know what I mean? Because there's a scene where you have to argue with yourself. Yeah. Uh, that was crazy. What was that like? Uh, it was incredibly difficult, quite honestly. You know, and yeah, I was, <clears throat> I was very green uh, in the theater community at the time. I, when I'm just quick background, when I moved up here, I was toying with a bunch of different things to do. And I had gone to school for classical voice, but didn't really know what I want to do with it because I was heading toward the opera world and went, mm, I don't like opera that well. <laughs> so I stopped, um, decided not to go to graduate school for voice, which was a plan at one time. Uh, moved up here and started singing in a restaurant uh, that was called Backstage of Bravo. Uh, That's no that. longer in existence That's right. in downtown Minneapolis. And so I I uh, ended up working with a bunch of wonderful musical theater uh, performers that worked there. And they're kind of like giving me the lowdown on the scene. Um, and my mom was a music teacher and she always took us to musical theater and opera and had that, I mean, like she had the original double London cast album of Les Mis and all this sort of stuff. And Jesus Christ Superstar sure. was always uh, a constant player and things like that. Um, so when I moved up here, I just kind of was like, like, you should go do this. I'm like, okay, I'll go do some and see what happens. You said moved here. Where did you grow up? I grew up in southwestern Wisconsin, a small town called Platteville. Platteville. Okay. Mm -hmm. I spent, I'm going to say, three weeks 
uh, at the Fireside Dinner Theater mm-hmm. last summer. Is that is that um, is that too far away? Fort Atkinson. Fort correct? Atkinson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, small town, medium sized city. What's what's yeah, about what? ten thousand? Okay, and how many kids in your family? Sorry. Two, uh, myself and an older brother. Okay, and your mom was the music teacher. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and is your dad at all musical? He was. That was kind of a prerequisite for my mother to find a um, a partner. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, he sang and, and uh, played some guitar. So now I'm picturing um, Mary and the librarian and Harold Hill. Is it was that was that their love story? You know, <laughs> uh, only if Marion was a bit more aggressive, I would say, because <laughs> I think my mom did most of the courting. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, and then we turned into um, a very very small version of the Van Von Trapps, just oh, because fantastic. we would go. Um, and like all over the place, my, cause my brother sings. So your brother well. also sings. Yeah. Okay. And, and do and, you, uh, so was there a moment you realized, oh, I'm good at this. I can sing. Or was it, um, a gradual thing? Um, I, I was just something I always did. So I just always sang. And then, yeah, there was some point in there. I was like, oh, I can actually kind of do this. Okay. Um, and it wasn't like a very big musical community, uh, especially in my high school is more, you know, sports, sports, sports. Okay. Um, so then you moved on to college, which you went where? I went to Luther College in Decorah, oh, you did? Iowa. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and Luther is fairly well known for choirs, yes? It is, yes. Um, their, uh, Weston Noble, who was their choral director mm-hmm. for many, 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 many years. Um, and is that something you participated in? It was, yeah. Okay. I sang with him for three years. You couldn't audition for his choir when you were a freshman. You had to be in one of the two freshman choirs, which there okay. was a boys' choir and a girls' choir. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And then sophomores had their own mixed choir. Juniors and seniors had their own mixed choir. And then yeah. there was Weston's choir, the Nordic choir, to top it all. Which is sort of the top. Mm-hmm. And did you ever sing in that choir? I sang in it for three years. Okay. So you got yeah. into it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also had a, a tremendous... Uh, director of choirs where I went to school, Dr. Harris, Robert Harris. And I, I feel like, honestly, I learned more from him in a one hour choral rehearsal than I learned from other music teachers in two years. Mm-hmm. Did, what was his, uh, Weston Noble, is that his name? Yes. What was his style? What, what did you get from him? Um, his, his style was very that, uh, uh, I would say Scandinavian, um, I don't know what that means. Background. I'm, I'm not so you, have, <laughs> so you would have a, a very, uh, a lighter, uh, probably a lighter tone, I would say, to most okay. people. If you were a very dynamic soprano uh, in your solo life, if you were in the choir generally, you probably might be forced to sing alto. So you would never be able to stick out oh, up there okay. in your dynamic soprano. Um it, Yeah, so a lot of a lot of straight tones, a lot of... Uh, good solid harmonies. Um, Before we started, you and I were talking about how high the music is in the current show you're doing, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't sound difficult for you. Were you not a tenor back then? What's what's going on? No, I was. Well, I had a. I was trained by a baritone, and I think he was comfortable in training what with where he lived. Um, and I have a, a richer tone than uh, a tenors do. So I mean, I kind of consider myself. Uh, lyric baritone, I suppose, because okay. I can kind of go between. I did have other teachers that listened to me, and even ones that were at Luther is like, you're really a tenor, and you should try and develop that, but never did. I mean, so I I sing comfortably, depending on what kind of style, and classically, you know, A-flat, high A-flats are probably about where I would like to, you know, that's the comf- top sure. comfortable note. Yeah. 
um, which any baritone should have that anyway, and even some basses. But uh, um, you just have it with a different timbre. Right. Um, and then, you know, tenors are going to have a couple notes higher than that. And really good, you know, really high tenors are yeah, going to really go even high higher than yeah, that. Yeah. I'm going to say your A flat for a baritone is ambitious. I, uh, <laughs> I would... Yeah, I would probably cap it at a G, but that's just because I didn't have an A flat back then. So I, yeah. didn't wanna... <laughs> but yeah. I was always, I was maybe the opposite. I was always accused of of being a super lazy tenor because my voice is incredibly bright, but I never wanted to learn to sing high. I was very comfortable in the bass baritone. My, my voice changed very late. Do you remember how old you were or what grade you were when your voice changed? Oh, geez, I should because I was my my mother's. Uh, she was. I was her best soprano for many years. In yeah. fact, like it, uh, yep. I would sing in the adult church <laughs> choir as a soprano when yeah. I was a kid. Um, but uh, uh, I don't, I don't remember. Okay. Somewhere, yeah, I remember somewhere in, in middle school. Okay. Mine was the the summer after sophomore year in high school, which is incredibly late. Wow, that is. Um, I was singing the high tenor in the barbershop quartet in Music Man. There's that song that ends, yes, it's you, up in this high A. Beautiful, Uh beautiful. Well, one day in rehearsal, my voice just cracked, like, you know, the most humiliating moment. And everybody laughed. And I took that, like, literally in to my guts. And we finished the show, and then I didn't sing another note for about six months. Wow. Which is not... For those of you listening, not what you're supposed to do. You're no. supposed to sing through the change. <laughs> yes. I did not. I came back and I couldn't sing a middle C. A middle C was too high. Wow. But I was a low bass and it took, but I still had this timbre of a tenor. Uh-huh. Uh, so it took years to literally like creep up half step by uh-huh. half step until I had some more of those higher notes. It was, it, I regret that, I guess. Um, yeah. But you know it's it's all musculature, so yeah, it it builds the way it builds. Yeah. And who knows? Had you sang through it, it may have just continued to change in a way that you you would have ended up possibly in the same place, and you would have never known. I mean, yeah, yeah. Every voice is so different. Yes, I know. From doing a show with you, you singing a, a high <laughs> a high harmony uh, to I, and for a female song, yeah. and you're doing the harmony above her, and I have tried to do that harmony. That same <laughs> harmony, and I cannot do it. It's too high. <laughs> the show we're talking about is Power Ballads, which is actually one of my favorite shows that I've ever done. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. What what uh, what was that experience like for you? Oh man, what is the show? Tell us what the show is. The, sh- the show is um, three three friends just living out their rock and roll fantasies. Um, we call it a sing along. We call it a lot of things. It has all the great what you would what you define as a power ballad from mm-hmm. the late 70s to early 90s. Songs like Sister Christian yes. and uh, Come Sail Away. Yeah, Dream On. Dream On. Yeah. yeah, all sorts of stuff. Great things. Uh, Every Rose, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And then we we strung, string those along the evening and then there's basically some comedy bits in between. Nice. <laughs> and that's that's for the most part. It's it's kind of, yeah, it's it's a rock and roll comedy show. And the the iteration that we did together was at the Lab Theater, which mm-hmm. used to be the Guthrie Lab in North North Minneapolis, the North Near, Loop, yeah, North Loop, yeah. And uh, we did it with a what a one two three four five piece five band piece, and the, yeah. and the three singers, uh, Peter Rothstein actually directed, directed it. Yeah. Uh, but then that went on. You've taken that show to New York. You've, you've taken the you you guys tour this show now. What's is that yeah? Right? We do we do a lot. I mean, right now. Um, you know, we've booked it a few different places, but we've we've found a nice little place where we do it two, uh, two maybe three times a year. Chan Hassan Dinner Theaters uh, in their their 
Fireside Theater, which is a, uh, is a secondary space for them, which they used to do full musicals yes, in, but now they I pretty remember, much just yeah. do um, a nice concert series. Concert, yeah. yeah, concert series. You so uh, that's sort of on the extreme end. But as you said, you went into college thinking opera. Mm-hmm. And did you come out of college thinking? No, you said you, you, you didn't turn your attention to musical theater until you were in the cities. How, how did you end up, by the way, in the cities? Because there you are in, in uh, northern Iowa, mm-hmm. maybe equidistant from Chicago and Minneapolis. Did you, did you consider Chicago? How did you end up in Minneapolis? What, was, what, what went through your mind when you left college? I, I never did. Um, and honestly, growing up, uh, all my dad's side of the family came from kind of the Somerset, Wisconsin area, but he had, he was one of nine kids and the majority of them migrated over to the twin cities. So we came up here all the time when I was a kid. And because I had to sit in the back seat next to my brother when we were kids, which could be torturous, (laughs) uh, probably, you know, for both of us, um, uh, for five and a half hours to get up here, I always said, I'll never live. I, I never want to come here again when it's up to me. And of course this is where I end up living. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I got out of college, uh, the last thing I did is I, I did a project with a really, really talented, uh, high, um, classical tenor. Uh, and he's still, he is professional and he does quite well. His name is Eric Cutler. He's a great guy, and we did a project together, and I saw his love for this genre mm. of music. Mm-hmm. And um, and we were similar on a lot of other other aspects of our lives, and I, I do not love this music as much. And, um, and that's just my own personal thing, you know. Um, uh, I'm not trying to discount any no, classical I... music <laughs> at all, uh, but uh, uh, I just see I didn't have the passion for it as he did. And I was like, I, this this isn't going to be what I'm, where I'm going to want to live for the rest of my life. I, I already know that. And that just confused me. Is there a style that you think your voice best fits into or most naturally fits into? Um, yeah, probably the music, <laughs> the musical theater of the nineties and early two thousands, like the Such Jekyll as. and Hyde okay. and, um, Candor and, uh, or not Candor and Ebsa, Flaherty and Aaron's, mm-hmm. uh, I did like ragtime, mm-hmm. Uh, man of no importance, uh, things like that. Um, I love even, you know, Sondheim kind of spans that time period as well, but not only that I, I, I really like doing now that I've, I've only done two, uh, but between company and assassins, I've enjoyed them immensely. Um, and I think my voice fits into those quite well. Um, two very different styles of music, I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But still, uh, I'm always going to have in my ear, if I've heard a show, I'm going to have that performer that I listen to sure. in my ear a lot. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I went in a uh, side story. When I was in New York with Power Ballads, I got called in to audition for what became the 25th anniversary um, tour of Les Mis. Oh, wow. And they had Fantastic. had uh, the person who was uh, supposed to cover Valjean had to uh, drop out. Um, and so they were they were already in rehearsals. So you would have been an ensemble track and then right. covering Valjean. And I went in to sing and I, I was sitting outside the room and it was a room with a little window and I could actually watch the guy, two guys in there before me. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting it. And I'm actually seeing the direction they're getting from the music direct musical director. I'm like, yes, I can do that. I can do that. And I sound like when sing, uh, bring him home where they wanted this, the, the swells mm-hmm. in, in, uh, everything. Um, 
And I was like, yep, that's, I, I, I'll nail it. I, I know I got that. That's great. <laughs> um, the one thing that I, I couldn't do the way they wanted it to hear it um, was uh, they wanted to hear a very legit sound. Um, and I had Colm Wilkinson in my head sure. so much. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I sang it like that and I did yep. it like three, four times. It's like, okay, so I really just see, need you to open it up mm-hmm. and hear really legit sounding. He was actually even giving me some like, you know, structural coaching and things like wow. that. But I couldn't, I couldn't get it. I couldn't do it that way. Huh. And I think that one note probably kept me from, I mean, sure, somebody <laughs> yeah. probably came in after me and, you know, blew the thing out of the water. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just could not just get that, that, uh, one note the way they wanted to hear it, which is, which is too bad because it was just that little bit, like we were talking about A flats and things like that. And yeah. I think that was a B flat yeah. and that's, that's just in a place where I can, in a rock and roll song, a B flat is fine, but yeah. legit. I've, I've learned that voices, as well. Yeah. It depends on what the context <laughs> exactly. is as to how that note's going to come out. Exactly. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so so let's put you at, did we say it was called, it was called Bravo back then, right? Yeah, Backstage Bravo. of Bravo. Backstage of Bravo. Uh-huh. Uh, with some of our favorite people, among them, uh, gosh, who, everybody worked there. Uh, uh, Bill Dor- Gilness. Bill Gilness. Dorian, Dorian Chalmers. Chalmers yeah. Uh, Angela Wahlberg. Um, yeah, there's a, a, quite a, a number of people had gone through there. And Dorian adopted you because she adopts everyone. Yeah, she, she's actually the one who kind of told us, like, this is where you should go. This is what you should do. Fantastic. And and even through her got me my first gig, I believe. Which was? Um, it was in uh, down at the John Hassler Theater. Oh, yeah, that's the one in um, uh, is that Plainview. Oh, Plainview. 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 Uh, and uh, somebody had dropped out of the show... Um, I think it was Terry Lynn Carlson dropped out of that show because he was going to do the next one there, which I think was on Golden Pond or something like that. And they needed somebody else to just fill in. And he's like, he had, you know, had, I don't know if he, they had, he had seen me at Bravo or something. It's like, I heard mm-hmm. there's this kid down there mm-hmm. who would be able to sing this part. Uh, and Dorian, uh, and connected through Dorian and got me an audition and I got that part. And there were, um, there were union actors in that show. Um, there was uh, Terry's wife, uh, Beth Desitel, mm-hmm. Clark Crookshank, mm-hmm. a very, very, very young Zoe Pappas. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I was to come back to Terry because Terry is actually the person who was directing Godspell when I played that in Albert Lee. That when that had the festival theater festival players. Um, and I got to play Jesus in Godspell there and Terry's directing. That's where I got my union card because oh, someone said, oh, the they, could, they could get you a union contract. And I'm like, wow. sure, whatever that is, I'll take it. <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> and I asked him for it. He's like, okay, fine. Yeah, it was easier back then. Yeah. To those people listening in who know how hard it is now, it was way easier back then. Yeah. Right? Same thing so. for me. I, I was hired for a job and they got me my union mm-hmm. card. That was that. There yeah, was that, no was, that was it. And that was in 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, um, yeah, it was great. That was amazing. I think we also had only like 10 days to rehearse and put that show up. It was crazy, but, um, it happened. I meant, uh, met a bunch of other amazing actors, Todd Peterson. Mm-hmm. That's where I met Todd, um, and, uh, Charles Frazier and some, a bunch of other great folks, uh, in that Vanessa Gamble. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. 
uh, and, you know, just kind of started stringing things along. And then once I took my union card, I did go to New York for a little while, but that was in 2001. And well, I was um, going to ask that because there are uh, a fair number of people here in the Twin Cities who have had a degree of success and mm-hmm. then off they go, whether it's to Chicago, to New York, whatever. Some mm-hmm. of them stay, some of them succeed, some of them do okay, some of them come back. What, what, what made you go and... What made you come back, I guess? Well, I mean, I think it's the same thing is that's the, you know, everybody considers New York to be the big time. That's where and all the you stuff. At the Every, time. That's what you, you, at that's the what time yeah. I mean, that's where all the cast recordings come from, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. So you <laughs> and wanna, that's something you wanted to be a part of. Oh, God, yes. Uh, so much. I really did. I want to be a part of, you know, what I'm thankful of the five points right now is I want to be a part of new musicals. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and even they do happen here in town, but, uh, not as, not as often. And, uh, and obviously they, it's hard to find them in a larger scale. So you get a larger contract and can, you know, live as an adult <laughs> and make enough money. But that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, but so I wanted to, um, go to New York to try that out, do some auditions out there. And it was interesting. How long um, were you there? I was not there too terribly long. And I was going to a lot of auditions and seeing and, um, you know, not having a ton of feedback. You were how old? Uh, I would have been, yes, 26, 27. Um, trying that whole world. Um, and then it, 2001, uh, someone flew up plane into a tall building and uh, i was there for that and was like nope really you know babe is going back to the midwest really? <laughs> this is going on wow. uh, i mean it, it took me no okay. time after that happened wow i did very much so i'm like okay and what had happened is i was in a um you you'd get you'd show up in a big group and then you got to in a big line and then you would get to when it was time to sign up for your time you'd come you'd cycle through and even as an equity actor yes yeah uh still felt like a cattle call yeah oh yeah absolutely um but then the thing is you get to sign up for your time and then go away you wouldn't just have to stay there all day long got it um and uh i signed up for my time and we were still sitting in the group um someone started yelling out stuff is like what's happening you know i thought i'm like why are you working on your monologue right now that's terrible you can't do that we're all sitting here in a big group yeah and uh and it's like no something just happened and started <sighs> talking about it and people around me is like my god my you know i think the girl right next to me is like my my, my boyfriend works in Ooh. the world trade center oh my god this that and the other thing and so i got back on the train i was like well i sent it for a time but i don't think i'm going back depending on what this is and my train all the trains stopped because yeah. the one I was on, that yeah. was its destination. Oh my gosh. And you, uh, uh, so we had to get out in the tunnel and walk up onto the platform. Holy And cow. then I think I, I could get onto another train going north because I had to go north from there. Yeah. I remember um, hearing all the trains, they yep. shut them down south. Yep. You could still, you could smell, you could, you know, <sighs> you saw the smoke and all that. And I got back up and I was, I was not super north in Manhattan, but it was like 113th, I think, um, and so you could see it and smell it. And I was there with a bunch of other, you know, Midwestern kids and we're all freaking out and uh, panic buying at the grocery stores. And I think it took me about five days before I booked a ticket. Wow. I'm like, yeah, I think it's time to go home for wow. a while and figure this all out. <laughs> yeah. Do Otherwise, you, I loved it. It was great. Do you regret that it happened that way? Um, well, no, because there's so many things that I have in my life now that I, if anything else would have happened there, I wouldn't have. Um, I went my, I met my wife in the cities working at Theodore de la Jeune Lune. Um, I, 
oh, we have two beautiful kids, all that sort of stuff. We always talk about that. I'm like, because a lot of times she's like, oh, she says, I should, I should have been a doctor. I would have been a really good doctor. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, but if you would have done that, you would have never met me, yeah. and, you know, and vice versa. This is you Anna. Know, if I would have, yeah, yeah, this is Anna. If I, if I would have stayed uh, in New York and, you yeah. know, though she went to NYU for a while. So maybe we would have, if I would have stayed, yeah, right, right, you know, right. maybe yeah. I would have met her eventually there. Who knows if it was, you know, that's a whole nother world of thought. Well, and career-wise, <laughs> things have obviously worked out for you because you've got all these tremendous roles that you've played and all of these, um, you know. Mm-hmm. Theater Latte Da, Jean Loon, Children's Theater, Chanahas, and Guthrie. What would you, what do you think about the, the Minnesota music theater scene? Just, I'm not even going to lead that. I'm just going to leave that question sitting there. What do you, what do you think about it? Well, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's great. I think we have a, a, a ton of talent here. Um, I mean, you, you're never going to have uh, a, a pool like New York, but so many of those people in New York the majority of them don't ever work in New York. They work everywhere else. And then yes. they go back to New York to right. live and audition. And <laughs> then they audition. go to another yeah, yeah, regional yeah. theater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a very small percentage of, of that large population is on Broadway and doing Broadway shows. Um, so that, I mean, that is what that is. That's, that's great. Um, I have gotten to do a ton of characters in shows, great characters that I probably would have never had the opportunity to do mm-hmm. um, living out there, maybe in the regional theater world, but um, not in the way that I've I've got to do things here. Doing, you know, something like Tony and West Side Story and going back to back from that to doing Floyd Collins and Floyd Collins, which mm-hmm. Floyd Collins is one of my favorite shows of mm-hmm. all time. Um, I, I just wouldn't have had that option there um who are some people in town that you respect musically in, in like as in, in any specific way or if you heard so-and-so is going to be in a show i got to see that show who who are those people for you who are those people for yeah. me i mean they're the people i love they're uh todd peterson bradley greenwald um i am always in awe of christina baldwin <laughs> as an amazing talent for so many different things. Um, and she's one of the funniest people I know. Carrie Rodow <laughs> <That> is, is <laughs> <true>. <laughs> hilarious and has one of the most versatile, beautiful voices I know of. I mean, it's amazing. Um, someone I've known of for a while, but I've gotten to work with twice now. Uh, Thomasina Petrus is, ah, love Thomasina. is yeah. tremendous. I'm getting to do a whole show with T. Michael Rambo mm-hmm. right now. And I've only done a reading with him in the past in a partly staged show. Um, and I've always been in awe of, of his, his, uh, his voice and just his, his light, the light that you see mm-hmm, in him. Mm-hmm. And all these people have those sorts of things. Um, one of my best friends in the world, Randy Schmeling. I I will always watch Randy <laughs> perform because, and who also is one of the people who does power ballads. I, I um, got to see, I was in a show with Randy. We were, we did Orphan Train at the History Theater, one of the, one of the many iterations of that show. And honestly, uh, there was a moment in the show, I wasn't on stage, uh, but I always had to go into the wings and watch Randy. I just did. It, yeah. was, it was that moment. And I would have watched him do it. I think he was, I think his character was dead or dying. I don't remember. <laughs> it's been a, been a few years, but I had to watch that every night because it was captivating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, are you an actor who self-directs or you prefer to have a performance drawn out by a director? I love, um, I love direction. I, I need direction. Okay. Um, 
who who has given you uh I, we don't have to qualify say best worst but who, what what is a an experience with a director that stands out in your mind where you thought I would never have gotten to this place but for this director and and what was that like well in the past few years uh a lot of the things that I have on my resume from the Ordway I I don't think I would have I there there's things that were not necessarily my wheelhouse um, and James Rocco saw something in me that he wanted to to push, and he likes to push. He likes people to learn. Um, How would he do that? How would he push you? What, um, what? He he would always like to say uh, he's always looking. You watch him when he's directing, when he's behind the table, and he's watching intent, and he has the look on his. He's feeling what hmm. he what he feels the character feeling. He's very much. He was an actor for a very long time. And a very good one, and a Broadway guy, all that, in, in, and so he knows what he would feel as the character. He doesn't, and he doesn't sit there and say, "This is what you should do," because that's what I would do as the character. He'll throw a little, you know, if he sees where your your little straw pile is, he'll he'll pull out his matchbook and say something and throw his <laughs> match on there. What think about that and see what that mm. happens, and and all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, that that's an idea. That's something that I can go with you know we we did pirates of penzance and i i played the police sergeant which in that rendition was it was a mountie um very low bass baritone role something that uh, it was no i had to change some notes because i couldn't sing all those low g's um and there was just like one sentence that he he mentioned one day and it was something about this guy really all he really wanted to do was perform or you know he you know all of a sudden I'm like, okay, great. So he's going to have little moments where he just pops out and wants, mm-hmm, wants to shine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in little places. And the rest of the time he's scared to death of everything else. Um, and that's just that little sentence made that made, you know, made me kind of run with that, you know, and those, those are the things that make you grow. And I've gotten to do a couple uh, things with, with Peter Rostein that, you know, I was at the time I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm quite, right for for this as well but you know i did um parade with him usually a character that's done with a you know a smaller jewish man and i'm not that but he (laughs) put his trust in me to see what i could do with it and uh uh you know we worked on a lot of stuff uh posture and just inflection and all these different things to try and to make that uh, a little more of that of a specific style of character um, and that was, that was great. That's another uh, yeah. way about it. So there's the learning experience. The, yeah. The yeah. learning experience. We've, we've talked about a lot of the roles that are on your resume. Are there any, are there any dream roles out there that you haven't gotten to play that you think about? Oh, I would, I would love to do Billy Bigelow before I got Aww. too old in Carousel, okay. even though I know how depressing that show is. <laughs> um, I might just have to, uh, just, you know, sing soliloquy for Dude a, in cabaret, a cabaret sure, sure. or something like that. I've done it in one concert. Um, besides Billy Bigelow, I, I find myself thinking this way. Something's fallen out of my age range and I know that it'll never happen. Yep. Are, there, are there those that you feel like got away a little bit? Um, I, yes, dear I, Evan Hansen has gotten dear, away from me. Because uh, <laughs> I look at you, you got to play Captain Von Trapp. Yes. And 
when I was a kid, uh, one of my very first musicals was I played Kurt in A Sound of mm-hmm. Music. And then a few years later, I played Friedrich. And I said to myself, well, this is it. I'm going to play every male role. I've I've nailed this. I can only grow into this, right? Uh, and then somehow Rolf passed me by and I was like, okay, this uh-huh. is never going to happen now. So I just sort of gave up that dream. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about the last couple of shows you did. What, or is there something you're working on next? Or do you not look that far ahead? I I am. Um, I'm going to be in Mamma Mia at the Ordway this <gasps> summer. Fantastic. Yeah. Who are you playing? I'm going to play Pierce Sam, Brosnan? Or? Uh, I'm Sam Carmichael, who I, I think Pierce Brosnan. I think okay. he is the ar- architect. He's one of the three fathers, yep. Yep. possible fathers. Potential dads, yeah. Um, and I'm very excited for that. That's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm, when is that show? That is going to be late July into August is when it runs. Okay. We start in the end of June, I want to say. My sister and I grew up uh, lip syncing to ABBA in our basement yes. with the disco light. So there you go. It's yes. fantastic. <laughs> so we've talked about all this music. Would you sing for us? Absolutely. Now, what have you got? What do you I'm, I'm going to do, um, it's a song that, I, that I've that i done. It, when I when it happens well, well, we'll cross our fingers and hope it does. It's <laughs> done It's done me well in auditions. It's called What Is It About Her? From? From uh, Lippa's Wild Party. That is also Burrs is a character that I would that would be on the bucket list. That's also just a hard show because man, that is some singing in that show. <laughs> big, big belty singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did see it done at uh, the Fitzgerald in St. Paul a bunch of years ago uh, with Jen Burley Benz and David Anderson. Jody Carmelli, a bunch of people who sang their faces off, <laughs> and it was like, wow, that, it was it was amazing. But I love, I love to do this song. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, Great. So right. we'll we'll see how it goes. All right. So this is Dieter Bierbrauer singing. What is it about her? What is it about her that makes me want her? What is it about her that parts the waters? What is it about her that hoists the sail? Something in her hair instructing where to touch. Why do I need her so much? This woman may Tips the scale. This girl is all I have. So soft, so fair, so fine. And she's forever mine. This woman builds me up. This woman tears me down. This woman speaks, and I can't break apart. Now comes another man. 
is it about her that troubles feelings inside? What is it about her that mixes passion with pride? Could I live without her and let her go? That was fantastic. I love that. I love that song. And your performance, amazing. I love it. Um, and I'm going to say, you gave Brian James a run for his money. And funny story, uh, Brian James and I went to college together. And You're kidding. Uh, I'm not kidding. We were we graduated the same year. That's why you can call him Brian James. You don't have to do the I, Darcy part. No, I don't part. have to do the, the Darcy, Darcy part. part. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the this is, uh, I don't mean for necessarily for this to sound the way it's going to sound. I mean it for the funny value of it. But honestly, for two years... Uh, Brian and I were up for every role together and he got the shows I didn't get and I got the shows he didn't get. And honestly, there was a moment when we were doing baby and, uh, I got to play Danny and I, I'm, I'm going to say it was the closing night party just to give the director the benefit of the doubt. But I made the mistake of saying, did you cast me just because Brian James was doing that other show? And he said, yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, if you're going to be second to somebody, he's not a bad he's, person. Well, he he to be. also, he wanted it in a way that I didn't. Like you yeah. talked about, you know, you were training for opera and you realized you didn't want it. And and likewise, I didn't, he, he had a... Um, he had a desire to go to New York and do this thing. And mm-hmm. I never had that. So yeah, there you go. I did uh, the Guthrie's uh, 50th anniversary little uh, uh, show. Yeah. I was one of the ensemble singers yeah. in that. And he, they brought him in to do a, a solo. Oh, It was uh, a Shakespearean monologue set to music by Jason Robert Brown. Okay. And then he sang, he Fantastic. sang it. And then there was like four of us who did a little backup group for nice. him. And nice. so I got to meet him. Kind of. And he's one of the nicest people I've ever yeah. met in my life. He's honestly down to earth, genuine, as sweet a guy as he seems. He's That's a awesome. wonderful, wonderful guy. That's crazy. And you went to college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Funny. <laughs> so, okay. So we call this podcast, Ask the Music Director, because uh, um, this is people's opportunity to, well, it's really my opportunity to sit down and talk to my favorite people, but it's people's opportunity to ask me anything they might want to ask me about either about me, my life, my career, or about music directing, what I think about in the room, in the audition room, in the rehearsal hall, anything at all. So um, I'm going to put you on the spot now, Dieter. It's your turn. You're the host. What do you want to ask me? Okay. So, all right. So this, there's a lot of little aspects to this. Um, a couple being just personal choice of the actor, uh, how much time they have, um, uh, when materials are available to them. Uh, or even the fact of, I, you know, uh, who decides like I start working when the day my contract starts, mm-hmm. how much is all of these things coming together to, for you and even stylistically, how much preparation do you like an actor to have done musically before the first music rehearsal? That's a terrific question. Actually, that's such a great question. Before I, uh, Decided I was going to do this podcast. I started writing blog entries, mm-hmm. uh, and some of them I'm going to release with this podcast. And that is one of them. That mm. is literally what That's one great. of them is about. And he didn't tell me. I swear. And, <laughs> <laughs> I um. So so yes, I actually do come down on the side of um, a little preparation is inevitable because people are excited about doing a show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But for me, the less, the better. And frankly, so many people come in um, having lived with the original cast recording and they mm-hmm. will stand up there and they will sing it like Cole Wilkinson did. Yep. They, they will deliver guilty. to you the exact performance that someone else has already done. Totally and, guilty. And, and that's not necessarily something I want. Mm-hmm. So yes, I would rather they um, have some familiarity with it, but not that much. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would rather we all sort of discover it together. Um, for, for a couple of reasons, because I think it's easier to create a new habit than it is to break an old habit. Mm-hmm. I would rather find a way that works for you because I want the show to fit the actor, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not the other way around. Um, so I, I would and, and then there's the element of the ensemble singing and what people expect. There's, there were two pieces we're talking about. Like the, the show you're in right now, Five Points, you know, everyone's got a character, but you're also a vocal ensemble of 14. Mm-hmm. As you said, sometimes singing what should be 25 people, but yeah. it's, there's 14 of you. Um, there's, uh, for the for the choral pieces, I don't know necessarily what part I want everyone to sing until I hear them together. There might be a singer... Um, whose timbre stands out in such a way that they can only sing one vocal part. And if they have learned the baritone part and I want them to sing the tenor part, well, they're going to have an awful lot of relearning to do. So mm-hmm. I think they're wasting their own time, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. One one quick uh, question, just completely off off that track, is sure. when you're playing auditions, yeah. music in... In plastic sleeves or no plastic sleeves? Absolutely not in plastic sleeves. Because <laughs> you know what? The music in regular play, what, what do you do? What, what does your audition book look like? You know, I used to have plastic sleeves I did until too. Denise Prosec yep. told me, please don't ever do that again. Yep. I was like, sure, done. I learned, I learned in college, absolutely put them in plastic mm-hmm. sleeves. No, that's a huge mistake. Because the regular plastic sleeves are too slippery. Yeah. Uh, and the non-glare ones you can't see, see. <laughs> you, you literally can't see <laughs> there there's so just an, yeah. there's, there's your answer for all of you out there listening uh you should always own the book um because you should pay for the book because people make money off of that and make their living uh but you should probably come in with three hole punch photocopies in a book with your cutting clearly marked because mm-hmm. that's just it's going to go better for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for asking and giving yeah. me a chance to say it. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, Dieter Bierbrauer, this has been this has been amazing for me. Thank you so much. We have never gotten a chance to we've worked together, but we've never gotten a chance to sit and talk. So this has been great. That's great, Dennis. I, I appreciate you asking me to do it. It's a lot thank of fun. you. Yeah. Today you heard Dieter sing What Is It About Her? from The Wild Party by Andrew Lippa. All of our podcast music is licensed through Harry Fox Agency. You can find Dieter on Instagram with the handle at Dieter Bierbrauer. Tune in next week when my guest will be Sally Ann Wright. I don't think I did a great job as as uh, Mama Rose. Uh, Why do you say that? That's not what I heard. I did not see it, and I apologize. Like we talked about, I yeah, don't, I don't get out both. all the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm never offended by that because mm-hmm. if you get offended, it means you have to put everything. <laughs> um, she, she's a behemoth. But yes. the feeling in that last number, standing out there with Rose spelled in lights yeah. and singing that last number. Yeah. I had sung, at the ending of Act One, I, I was always like, oh, help me, Jesus, get through this. Hmm. Because it was 
I mean, it's a it's a beast. Mm-hmm. But that last number is an acting exercise mm-hmm. because she literally falls apart. Yeah. And comes back. Yeah. As she always did. Yeah. And so that one, that one, I, God, I love that. And to stand there like that, I thought, God, now I know how, now I know how Beyonce feels. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iTunes Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you get a chance, leave us a review. It'll help others find their way to us. Thank you.